Okay, uh, so in turning to the scripture today, I uh, want to turn to Proverbs chapter 3. And uh, the title that I just want to give uh, the message today is Peace Found in Wisdom and Trust. Peace Found in Wisdom and Trust. So I don't know if you've been in the fast food section of the Bible too much. It's kind of in the middle. Psalms and Proverbs, as much as the Psalms is a strength to our devotional life, the Proverbs are a strength to our practical life. Uh, basic, nuts and bolts, to do, uh, uh, taking wisdom that's drawn from a relationship with God and putting it to use in the everyday stuff. And so this is written by Solomon, who uh, at the time had become the most wealthy person in the world, uh, which I'm reminded of as Paul Allen, the owner of the Trailblazers and Seahawks, passed away this past week, who I've actually met before. Um, Paul, uh, Paul Allen, who was the co-founder of Microsoft, had not accomplished what King Solomon had accomplished. King Solomon had accomplished a lot and certainly had the favor of God and drew wisdom from God and some of you may be familiar with the story of a gift of wisdom, but it wasn't um, the kind of miracle that was just transformative and his brain was totally replaced by a whole new brain. It was just this miracle and no, no one can ever be as smart as Solomon. Uh, I don't believe that that's, that's the case at all. Uh, but what we see in Solomon is the time, the effort, the energy to search out matters, to learn and to learn from God and to consider who God is. And so here we are, Early on in uh, this book, and this would have been written about 950 years before Jesus walked the earth, and Solomon writes uh, this, and I'm just going to read uh, chapter 3. I don't have time to read chapter 3, so instead I'm going to focus on verses 5 through 8. Okay, chapter 3 and verses 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Now, the whole, the whole proverb is, is useful. It's helpful. Uh, this phrase, trust in the Lord, um, is important for us to unpack to understand how we can enjoy some peace and some wisdom in this everyday life, which is not for nothing, right? It's no small thing, uh, especially if we're honest. And this is the kind of a church family where we're honest with each other, where we don't put on a mask to come in here and, and we get real about the things that we interact with in life. And, and just to un- unpack a little bit, This trust phrase here is to have confidence in, to feel safe in, uh, that this source has made you secure. And and in the Hebrew here, we have trust in Yahweh, this creator, redeemer God, with all of your feelings and your thoughts. That would be a way to translate what that phrase is. Trust in Yahweh, rely on, find your confidence in, find your source of hope in, feel safe in, know with all of your thoughts and all of your feelings that Yahweh has made you secure. 
That would be a way to, to translate this. And so it's no small thing. And it's, uh, I have found a number of people that had some exposure with church early on have found no power, no life, no joy in it, no strength in it. Their life has not been transformed. Oftentimes, a verse like this is a good example of how that happens. If we just, oh, that's really simple, and we just check that box in our brain, I can understand that and sure I can do that, and then we just move on, we miss the life-changing power that is in this verse. And so I want to take some time to unpack it, and I've got about two hours worth of stuff, so I'm going to try to not talk fast, but move quickly through the material that's available. Somebody say thank you, that all this will be up on the website later. All right, so we have, we see in this also, it's important to note that what God is not asking of us, and what Solomon is not recommending is just a blind trust. Just, oh, just, hey, listen, snap out of it, trust God. No, in fact, the context of this verse and the context of the language used and of whom Solomon is speaking and to whom Solomon is speaking, if we unpack the context of it, it's not blind trust. It is, this is the creator God who for hundreds of generations has proven his character, has proven how he thinks, how he feels, what he cares about, that he has created the earth, that he has created all that is seen, that he has provided, that he has made a way for life to be possible. And so it's not blind trust that is recommended, but instead what we find in the wisdom literature of the Bible, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon is, hey, search out God. Ask your questions. Put it to the test. Seek out the answers and that is the context of your relationship with God. Am I making sense? That's where real power is possible. Now, just moving quickly, we recently, in the last uh, few weeks, we read Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, which help us to understand, how do you do this? How do you just trust in God? Well, this passage says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice, let everyone see that you are considered in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon, speaking of the return of Jesus. Don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers, one final thing, fix your thoughts. Focus your thoughts on things that are good. The disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, how do we pray? They've watched him pray and they ask him how to pray. And I think this is relevant when we ask the question, how do I respond to Proverbs 3 to trust in God? How is that going to be helpful in my life? Well, Jesus says, and you may have learned as a kid, our Father who art in heaven, that we should pray like this. And in today's vocabulary, you might say the prayer would go a little bit more like this. Daddy God who's in heaven. That's the language that Jesus used. A familiarity, a closeness, a nearness of God. But the phrase in heaven is important because 
I believe that this is a power tool that Jesus has provided for us for our daily life in what we call the Lord's Prayer. And I believe that no matter what you are going through, in the evening, in the fitless, uh, sleepless night or first thing in the morning, that a remedy is to come to God in awe and reverence. When I come and worship here in this place, I do it with all of my energy and all of my focus because God is worth it. I start my week here, 9.30. I'm thankful for the worship team led us today into prayer and then into worship. And I throw myself into it completely because there is nothing in this world or in my life that is as satisfying or as powerful as the living God. It doesn't matter what I think about the song choice or the style. It is God with whom I am communicating how have we learned that? Well, I really, I kind of learned it in church, but I really didn't. I learned it myself, out by myself, walking the streets of the city, talking to God, pouring out anger, frustration, hurt, depression, asking God questions, and then considering if God is alive and God is real, then nothing else matters that much. And coming to a place of testing and proving, and now I have learned. And literally, I am not a special person. I am not an incredibly gifted person. But here's one thing that I am. From when I was suicidal as a teenager, from when I had seen people deceased, from when I had gone through dramatic times and tried in every way possible to make myself happy and found it to be fruitless, I came to learn that if I didn't interact with God in a meaningful way, my life might as well be over. And whatever you think of me, and in whatever way you've interacted with me and my person, Pastor Ben, you're kind of intense. I am intense because I truly came to believe that if God wasn't real, then this life wasn't worth living. That, that's my journey. Now, not everybody has that journey, and that's okay. You do you. But this is, I'm just revealing, this is a part of my personal journey. And what came out of that is that I started to realize that if I didn't communicate with God, me, for me, see, I can pray for you and your needs, but I can't pray as though I am you to God. Only you can talk to God for you. So for me, I talk to God and I have learned that my prayer, it's kind of lousy and not very life-giving if I start with my complaints. The real power in the Christian life starts to turn on in your life when you start to honestly interact with when things don't go your way. I learned something. Jesus gave us this power tool. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If I will start my day, if I will start my conversation with God with a sense of awe, of praise, of adoration, of saying who God is. And sometimes I start with, God, I don't feel great, but I believe you are great. God, I'm in pain, but I know that someday with you I will not be in pain. Be honest. 
But if I will focus all of my energy on who God is, the creator, the redeemer, the one in heaven wants to hear from me, sent his son so that the veil separating them from the presence of God in the temple would be torn when Jesus died. God, the living God has access. We can talk to the living God. If I will start my prayer and if I will start my day with an adoration, with a confession of faith, with a confession of this is who you are. You are daddy God to me and you are in heaven now, transcendent, in control of all this mess. Something changes on the inside of me and now trust is not something that feels impossible. Watch this now. Trust is now no longer something that is impossible. Because even if my thoughts and my feelings, I've got doubt and I've got discouragement, I've got anxiety, I don't know how the future is going to pan out, I've got hurt, I've got unresolved anger and resentment and different things going on. Even if all that is going on, if I know that Daddy God is in heaven... All this starts to change. Are you with me? And then everything else that follows is praise, adoration, revelation, recognition, reverence, and submission. Your kingdom come. What is his kingdom? Righteousness, healthy relationships with God and others, righteousness, peace, and joy. And today we're talking about peace found in wisdom and in trust. I think this is good. So, Some of you would know that we see value in this old prayer. Now, some of you have discounted the value of this prayer and have not heard the full version of this prayer and have missed its power as well. So allow me to briefly introduce you to it. Here's the prayer. I'll read it for you. God, grant me the serenity. Now, this would be the peace, the life-changing peace is what we're talking about. Have you noticed a theme in our sermon series this year? We've been talking about shalom, the shalom peace of God, which brings to completion, which makes right what has been wrong. God, give me this peace. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And we have, what do we see here? Peace found in wisdom and trust. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time. Enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is. Not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will. So that I may be reasonably happy in this life. And supremely happy with you forever in the next. I want to tell you something. This prayer has been life changing for me. Life changing for me. It has helped me process things, interact with things that I, where there were obstacles or things that were beyond my control, and at the same time, connect with the power of God so that I could recognize the things that God does want me to do. It's not about passivity. It's not about just accepting 
horrible things. That's not what this is about. This is about us coming to a place of peace, of life-giving inner strength in my relationship with God so that I can interact with the day, the moment, the people around me that are what will last forever so that I can go through the day and experience His peace. That's what this is about. I recommend that you memorize this. Listen, there are benefits in peace. It's been scientifically proven. Medical studies on anxiety, people live shorter lives due to anxiety. Your mental health, the way that you process stress, the way that you process things that don't go your way, the way that you process worry. I have known Christians who live bound by worry, and I'm here to tell you that God is not happy about that. It doesn't please Him. It's not what He wanted. He didn't do all of this for me to live a life bound up. I used to be that way. I'm not that way anymore. It's a part of the human experience. You might be here saying, I am that way. I'm here to tell you that that's okay. That God loves you. And that God is going to draw you out of it. And that God is going to help you process it. And that God is going to bring change. Now, this has been a little bit serious. And I only have five minutes to do a half hour's worth of work. But I feel the need to just take a breather. Some of you might be familiar that in the theater world we have a monologue when one person is talking and we have dialogue where people are kind of talking to each other, but you might not be familiar with from improv what we call the inner sonologue. Anyone ever heard of the inner sonologue? My family. My poor family. You do improv, you put a few people on stage, you might give them jobs or circumstances or, hey, you're, you're a baby and you're an eighth grader and you're a grandmother and you, or you might give them a word or a topic or a scenario, right? It's a speeding ticket moment or a flat tire moment or whatever. And then we play a game called freeze and you can freeze the actors that are on stage and you can swap out people with other people and, um, Another thing that you can do is what we call your inner sonologue. So the director uh, could stop the people and say, freeze. And you can call out a person by name and say, now sing your inner sonologue. I know some of you are still confused. So that could be really easy if a part of what's going on is a couple that's in love. You are beautiful. Right? Um, it could be something also easy if there's real tension. I hate you. Oh, how I hate you. But, you know, a lot of times, and what we find, uh, there's a little book called Audition that's really helpful for directors and actors and screenwriters. And in that book, it talks about, and the human experience, we are multidimensional. And what that means is that in a given moment, and if I say a line in a scene like, I love you, what also might be going on inside of me is that in some area and in some way, I hate you. There are emotions or thoughts. Now, those are the extremes, but there are emotions and thoughts that are opposing or that are different that are going on at the same time. This is a part of the human experience. It does not make you schizophrenic. Okay? It's a part of the human experience. Why am I bringing this up? And I didn't even make up some good examples of songs to sing you. I should have. 
But then it wouldn't have been improv. God wants to draw out of you your inner sonologue. God wants you to not be bottled up and bound up and frustrated. God wants to help you unpack what you're thinking and what you're feeling. And God knows that you are interacting with conditions and circumstances and people and relationships in your life that are complex. They are not simple. I've got news for you today. There is nothing too complicated in your life for God. Nothing. There's no emotion that you are feeling, no thoughts that you are having about anything in your life, whether it be very simple or whether it be layered, whether it be short-term or long-term. There is nothing that you are facing that is too complicated for God. God wants to draw out of you what your thoughts and your feelings are. But if we live our life so pressed, including entertainment, and I'm really good at this because I'm a podcast fiend. I'm listening to a podcast. I'm doing the dishes when I'm going to sleep, when I'm waking up. I will be uh, stream entertainment and, and read books. I still have those. I know some of you haven't seen one for a while. You know, do a variety of things. I can, I'm really good at filling my day. In fact, right now, this month, I'm overcommitted. I have some responsibilities that I need to unload. It does not involve anyone in this room. So you can have a life that is too full. And then be feeling things and experiencing things and God's just like, oh child. And then gratitude and generosity and worship and and laughter are not easy because I'm on the inside. This is not the will of God for your life. Now there are seasons of life that are more difficult than others. There are obstacles and there, there is pain. You know, last Sunday I did a memorial service for a young lady who was murdered. And I cried and there's anguish and there, there are seasons where it is right and good and healthy to have what you might call a negative emotions. Emotions are not negative. God created them. The anger, discouragement. It's not a negative thing to have a, an emotion that is down. But it is negative to get stuck in a moment you can't get out of. I do still like you too. I am 44. So God wants to draw us out by trusting in him, the only one that's reliable. Give me two minutes to give you 10 steps how to get out of this. (laughs) Here we go. Number one, survey the land of your current situation. What's going on in your life? You got to make some time. Survey the land of your life. You know, Rebecca and I are both part Cherokee. The Cherokee people knew how to survey the land where they were living and live off of the land. You you have got to stop periodically and think about what's going on in my life. Step two, dig to unearth what is below the surface of the obvious. If you want to have a spiritual experience that is transformative, it's not quick and easy, and it does not require you to be lazy. It requires you to be active. Dig beneath the surface of uh, the obvious. What has caused this? What are the factors? What's going on in my life? What has caused this? What are the factors? Because there are some situations, some of my being overcommitted is because I said yes to things I shouldn't have. And because I said yes to things, then I said, I will do the best I can if I have the time to. And then the other person just expected me to always have the time to. 
That doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make them a bad person. But when things go on in life that are beyond my control and not what I like, I need to recognize what's going on and what has caused this. Does that make sense? Number three, discern the current reality and what you are thinking and feeling. You've got to stop. God cares about what you're thinking and feeling. Is Daddy God in heaven? What am I concerned about? Under every stress, there is a belief underneath that something you value is not certain. What am I concerned about? Am I hurt? Am I angry? Are there unresolved hurts or anger that need to be expressed, that need to come to a place of recognition and amends? Am I hurt? Am I angry? How is my peace? Don't be afraid of that answer. Don't be afraid of coming up to me and shouting at me and telling me why your peace is not good. I'm not afraid of that. You shouldn't be afraid of that. Living life openly and honestly is how we come to life-changing peace. How's my peace? What is making it difficult for me to trust God? Oh, we talking now. Identify it. What's making it difficult for you to trust God? Were you hurt early on? Is there a wound that's not healed? Have you associated God with some other person in your life? And that person hurts you, and so it's hard for you to trust God because you associate that person with God. Am I making sense? Number four, pray with adoration, humility, and desire. What is humility? Humility is a right and healthy perspective about who you are and who God is and who you are in relationship with God. That's humility. Pray with adoration, humility, and desire. Make time to praise our trustworthy God. Okay, here. These are quick. Ask God for peace. When was the last time you asked God for peace? It's okay. Ask God for peace. Ask God for help in recognition and response. Ask God to help you see what He sees. Ask God to help you recognize what are the things that you're facing that you can't do anything about and that He doesn't want you to do anything about. Sometimes God wants us to stand and wait in faith so that He can do the thing. Ask God to help you with recognition and response. That's the serenity prayer. Anchor is so very helpful. Choose to trust the guidance of God. It's not going to help you in your life to run around ignoring God's word and what God thinks. Do you know that anything you're facing in your life, there is a relevant scripture. Whatever lifestyle choice you're making, whatever it is that you're facing, what are God's thoughts? And will I choose to trust that the guidance of, if God says that it's not healthy for me to be given to drunkenness, as the scripture says, maybe God is looking out for my best long-term health. What is it? If God says avoid sexual sin, avoid having sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman with a lifetime commitment, with agape kind of love... Can I choose to believe that God can take care of my sexual needs? 
Or am I going to self-medicate outside of the way that God has said is best for life and choose to satisfy my sexual needs in my own way? That is not trusting God. At the heart of the issue, deep in the issue, is this, will I trust the guidance of the God who is our creator and our redeemer? Number eight, identify what God is asking you to do. I had so many Christians like, they're trying to do these 12 things and God hasn't asked them to do a one of them. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is usually gentle. There's usually one thing that he's asking you to do. Identify what God is asking you to do. And here, let me give you a trick, a tip. Stop and ask him. Hey God, what do you want me to do about this? And then take a step in that direction. Journey in community. We are not designed to go through life by ourselves, trying to do all this by ourselves. Look around you. There are relationships. There are people in this room who care about you, who you can say the worst of the worst to, and they're going to not pass judgment on you, not try to fix you, but hey, we're going to go through life together. Journey in community. I find that perfectionism often keeps people that are wanting to be Christians from actually being Christians. I'm trying to get perfect before I will share my stuff with anybody else. That is a recipe to kill you. Live your life as though it is true that God will provide for you, care for you, guide you, and prove to be true. Let's stand and close in prayer. Lord, this world is full of brokenness, broken people, hurt people that hurt people. Lord, this world is full of things that should not be the way that they are. That in your perfect will, if we would choose to follow you and submit to you, so much anger, frustration, and hurt, and pain uh, would not happen. But God, you have us in this world that is full of pain. Lord, and in this world, it is not easy to trust you. And in this world, it is not easy to experience transformative pain, transformative peace, rather. And so, God, we're asking for your help. Lord, we will come to you with humility. We will come to you in submission. We will come choosing to trust you. We ask that you would give us this life-changing peace. Help us to recognize the things in our life that we cannot change or that you're not asking us to change and help us to recognize the things that you are asking us to do. But in it all, help us to grow in our trust of you. In it all, help us to grow in our peace. We thank you that there is wisdom and peace that can be found in trusting you. In the name of Jesus, amen.